All right, welcome back to the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Happy Monday to everyone out there. Hope you're staying safe. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here as we are every single weekday on Locked On Syracuse. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We've got a fun podcast for you today. We're going to get into some mock draft stuff later. Actually, more specifically, the Locked On NFL draft hosts are going to wrap up the show with that. But before we get to that, a lot of Syracuse... Yeah, that's beyond our pay grade right there. Yes. <laughs> we, can't, we can't go out mocking people. Right. We with, don't with have our, that intel. Yeah. No, we, that's not us. We're too busy... That's, with all the Syracuse news, because it has right. been a busy time here. And I guess kind of a rough weekend for Syracuse, although maybe not as rough as people are making it out to be. But recruiting-wise, you did miss on three guys, essentially. Quincy Ballard announced he's going to Florida State and not Syracuse, even though Syracuse was inside his top three. Matt Harms cuts his list to 10, the Purdue transfer. Syracuse is not one of them. And then Joshua Morgan, who was kind of in the works with Syracuse, or linked to him a little bit decides on USC, the Long Beach State transfer. So all in all, doesn't sound good on paper, but I feel like all these guys weren't... I mean, Harms hurts, I think, more than any of them, right? Yeah, Harms is the only one there where I I kind of feel a little something in the side because, okay, you look at Morgan and you look at Ballard, they were narrowing it down to one, right? In the case of Harms, he was narrowing it down to 10. You were trying to just pull up a chair at the table yeah. And you didn't get there. So that kind of stung a little bit for Syracuse because Harms seemed like the perfect fit. And he's the the guy who he might take you from being sort of a an average team to, okay, you, you might be able to be in the in the mix for maybe a top four, top five team in the ACC. I mean, that really changes everything right there. So I I'm not too hurt over the Ballard and and the Morgan news, and, but the the harm stuff, I think, kind of stings a little bit. Yeah, I think actually I'm more heard about Joshua Morgan than Quincy Ballard because, and it's weird that I'm saying that, and a lot of people listening might be a little confused by that because Morgan, I didn't know that news was coming. So that was kind of like, ah, dang, you're out of the running for him. Ballard, we knew the decision was coming Saturday right around noon. He announced Syracuse wasn't his top three, and I get why some people are saying- And his top four. And his top five. (laughs) Right. And his top whatever. I mean, yeah. By the hour. It was a funny sequence. And he he chose, what was it? The University of Florida State or the college at the (laughs) University of Florida State. That whole video was a a 101 of how to not do a a commitment video. I mean, that. Well, don't tell that to his mom because I think she was working pretty hard. I will say this shout out to Gina Ballard. I don't think I've ever seen a a basketball player mom get as many follows that quickly maybe since Draymond Green's mom when Draymond <laughs> Green's mom started mouthing off in the finals and stuff like that but that was a that was just very funny cuz we didn't see or at least I didn't see the Regina Ballard video I just saw I think it was Nico Tamarian had it uh, he he videotaped yeah. her videotaping him so I just kind of find that, found that whole dynamic pretty pretty amusing. It, it gave me a little bit of a chuckle on a Saturday. Anyway, sticking with Quincy Ballard, because I think that's what we need to talk about first here. I saw a lot of action on Twitter, a lot of people upset about this news, and I get it on one hand. It's a center. You, you know center has been a problem spot the past couple years. Yes, he's kind of a local. I mean, he is a local kid. He grew up in Syracuse, yeah. but... I don't know. I think you're of the same camp of me here that 
this was just another project at the center position. And frankly, you already have a couple of those right now. And you don't really know how... I don't really know why people are so upset because Ballard, where was he going to fit into this puzzle? Like, yes, he's a body and he has some size on him and he has some potential there. But you already got Jesse Edwards, you got John Bolzak, and you got Sidibe and Dolzhai next year. And I just don't know why people were clamoring for another project at center. It's just been project after project at the big man position. And I'm talking the four, too, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, you look Which at... Which is annoying, but that's right. a separate discussion. Yeah. I mean, you look at Marek Dolajai. That's a project right there. You took a, a pretty hefty gamble on him. And granted, for the most part, it's paid off, I would say. Yeah. But you look at all these bodies on the roster now, and we talked about this last week. I mean... You bring a guy like uh, like Quincy Ballard on the roster, and you have a log jam in the scholarship department of guys who are not leaving early. I mean, we're not talking about a guy like Matt Harms, where, okay, he's going to take up one year of scholarship. Like, Quincy Ballard was four years of scholarship that you have to eat. And guess what? You don't know if he's going to play at all until his senior year because you've got two guys who play the same position that are just a year older than him. And in the yeah. case of John Bolajak, he's got the same amount of eligibility as Quincy Ballard. And who knows, maybe you're looking at a guy like Ballard and he's taken up five years of scholarship. I mean, there there's a lot of little wrinkles in this whole equation here. And I, I don't get why Syracuse... Well, okay. I, I get why Syracuse has this clamoring for a big. I just don't get why you're going back to the same well you've been going into these last couple of centers where they're guys who are not very developed. They're they're very raw basketball talent-wise, and in some cases, they're late bloomers and projects that you're just taking on. I don't think you need to do that. I, I think you can go out and, I think and try to— they're not hitting on the other ones, yeah, so right. that's kind of what they're left And with. you really haven't been hitting at the center position for the most part either. I mean, yeah. you look at Pascal Chuku, He was all right, like— he had some very good games. He also had some very bad games too. He couldn't and, catch, yeah. <laughs> right. He, he he you were playing four on five basketball with Pascal Chuku out there on the offensive side. Defensively, he right. gave you a good amount, especially in the shot blocking department. But I mean, offensively, this team has been inept at the center position for the greater part since Raheem Christmas was yeah. playing for the Orange. So it's it's going to be another kind of long haul and. To be quite honest, I don't know where the answer is. Like, I'm looking through this transfer portal that 24-7 has. I don't see a whole lot of answers. So you may have to take your lumps this year at the center position. And listen, you've got a young backcourt. Whether or not Alan Griffin plays this year I think is pretty meaningless towards the, the future of this team, the overall future of this team, because this team has a potential for in two years they could really boom. Like you're talking about senior Alan Griffin, potentially, maybe a junior Alan Griffin. Yeah. You're talking about a senior Buddy Bayheim, and then you're talking about a junior Joe Girard. That's a that's a and great even one the year two, after three that, combo right there. If Dior yeah. comes and Griffin is still there and Joe Girard's right. still there. Heck, if yeah, Quincy's no, still there. I mean, there's a knows? there's scary one, two, three potential for this team. I mean, even next year, there there's scary one, two, three potential, but Again, if, if you're playing four-on-five offense, 
it's going to be a, a struggle no matter what. So this team is going to hinge once again on Barama Sidibe. He played well at the end of the year for Syracuse, and guess what? They played some of their best basketball at the end of the year. But when he plays poorly, this team is going to struggle mightily to to really make an impact because when you don't have an offensive center, I mean, it's it's tough. It can be really tough. Yeah. I mean, I get why people are upset, but... Quincy Ballard, I don't think, was going to do anything for next year's team in terms of changing the landscape of it. He probably was going to redshirt, honestly. Yeah, And maybe he pans out. Like, I think Florida State makes sense for him. It just never made sense for him to come to Syracuse, too, because he's looking at all those guys ahead of him, and he's wondering when he's going to get his playing time. And also, from a developmental standpoint, Florida State can say, hey, look at all the guys that we've sent to the NBA. Look at all the success we've had with these lengthy big bodied centers and Syracuse can say, Hey, we got Alan Griffin to coach you. Like he used to be a guard, but here he is. He, <laughs> he knows a little bit about big men and you know, we've got a couple projects in the works already, but you can join us if you want. So I don't know. It just never really made sense for, both Hey, we parties. nailed his top three too. Yeah. Like we, did. We, we said, all right, it's going to come down to Syracuse, Maryland, Florida state. And, and shout out Gina Ballard for for chopping that list one by one. I kind of wanted to. I kind of want to know what the top two was, don't you? I mean, isn't I don't think Syracuse that... was in it. I you don't think Syracuse? Was I in never the top thought two? Syracuse had a chance with him, and maybe yeah. it just pumped up. I mean, once you put Syracuse in your top three, especially when you're from Syracuse, that gets a lot of pub, right? And that's yeah, that's what Regina. That's what she wanted at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and there's the, the red been. Jeep. The red Jeep sitting in the background too, so I don't think that fared well for for the orange <laughs> when when you got you're going head to head with two red teams. All right. Well, anyway, I'm glad we got our got that off our chest. Don't be too upset about Quincy Ballard if right. you're listening, because he's just another project. And I I think be more upset about Patrick Tepay maybe, and honestly Matt Harms too, which we can dive into Harms a little bit next and. Also talk about Joshua Morgan, because I think that's another big loss for Syracuse. And maybe even go into what's next for the Orange and the Transfer Portal. We'll go through that on Locked on Syracuse next. Okay, so Matt Harms announces his top 10, the Purdue grad transfer. Syracuse, as far as we know, reached out to him, probably via a phone call or something. Don't really know. How serious Zoom, talks Tim. were. Zoom is the way to go these days. Oh, true. Right. That's Thank God for Zoom. What will we do without it? Shout in out today's Zoom. Today's day and age. It's been huge. But his top 10, just to rattle it off real quick, for Matt Harms, Arizona, Arkansas, Boston College, BYU, Gonzaga, Kentucky, who seems to be one of the top dogs there, Memphis, Minnesota, Texas Tech, and UNC Greensboro, which is a little surprising maybe. BC making it, UNC Greensboro. But look, like, all these teams are just inside the top 10, doesn't mean a ton, and Matt Harms is probably just looking for a place he can go, get buckets, and try and make his NBA draft stock a little bit better. I think he probably could have done that at Syracuse, honestly, so it's kind of a shame that he's not inside the top 10, because he would have really changed the landscape of next year's team. Yeah, could have totally elevated this team, and again, we, we talked about Ballard at length last time, how, yeah, it doesn't really hurt for Syracuse. Harms hurts, okay, and the reason why is you didn't even really get a crack at his fi- at his final ten. Like, yeah, you, you were in the conversation. It felt like, and maybe there was a little too much hype. Listen, you're not gonna land every single transfer, recruit, whatever 
is out there on the market. Okay, that you just can't and and to right. be honest, you don't want to necessarily every single <laughs> yeah. time. Also, but with Matt Harms, this is a guy who okay, this one you're allowed to hurt from Quincy Ballard. You're not allowed to hurt from. Okay, Patrick Tepe, eh, maybe a little bit, but Harms you're allowed to hurt from because this was a guy who could have been a game changer. Just prolific defensively. He can step back a little bit and take the three. So I, it hurts that you're not in the top 10 because, again, like we kind of mentioned, you were in the top threes for a lot of these guys. And there was serious consideration given to Syracuse. But for one of the biggest big men, and I say that in both a physical and a and a metaphorical yeah. stance here, that, that kind of stings that you're not you're not in the in the ring to to potentially get one of these game changers it feels like the dust has kind of settled here a little bit now i'm sure given that it is syracuse there will be some more news and honestly i hope there's some more news to kind of keep us occupied through this quarantine here but you know joshua morgan we touched on him earlier long beach state guy syracuse is on a very long list for him he goes to usc now as far as we know, I mean, Aaron Estrada mentioned Syracuse, but we've kind he of... Actually, he committed to Oregon the other day. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. He was never across the wire. a real target, so I didn't even... So, yeah, I mean, all these guys are deciding, and I think people just have a lot of time here. And, you know, it's still very early, relatively speaking. We've seen Syracuse get a lot of guys late in the process, whether it's a recruit and Torian Thompson or a transfer even and Andrew White. And I guess those were all kind of in that same time frame. But to me, like... It's easy now to be a little bit upset because you didn't really land a front court player. But again, it goes back to the same thing we keep talking about is this year, there's not a ton of room for a front court player. And there probably wasn't a ton of desire for a front court player to come because of that and because of what they're looking at for the next couple of years now. And I know if you could have gotten someone better than Sidibe, which probably would have been like ideally Matt Harms or Tepe, then they would have started and it would have been a perfect scenario. But I still think this was a solid offseason to this point for Syracuse, considering you got Alan Griffin, and who knows what's next now. But I think it's easy to look at recency bias and forget that there was a lot of good here overall. Right. Alan Griffin is one of the prizes of this transfer market, okay? And he he can come in and he can make a real impact for this team. Again, you, you want to, especially the grad transfer route, which would have been the case with Harms, and I think this is the only logical way for this team to move forward was you had to get a guy, if you were going to bring in a center, you have to bring in someone who's going to start day one and probably only play for you for one year, right? Because you don't want to clog the scholarships like that, especially when you might be tooling up for a monster 2022 class to join Dior if he ends up coming to Syracuse. I mean, yeah. you can't have all those scholarship years plugged up at center, especially if you want to go out and get a game changer at the center position too. So, like, what if Dior wants some center to come with and it just comes down to, oh, what's the scholarship? What are you going to do, push someone out the door? Maybe, but right. what what's your reputation like after that? I mean, I, I get college basketball can be a, a slimy game sometimes, but I don't think you want that, that reputation necessarily yeah. on the recruiting trails. It's People just a friends. tough People situation. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, on one hand, they need a center, but on the other hand, they don't because they have a couple here, and you kind of got to let those guys play out how they should and, and not interrupt their development or else you're not really giving them a fair chance there. So, 
That's they just need the a one-year starter. That's what they needed. And yeah. so far they've struck out. And guess what? I mean, in reality, from from what we're looking at at a regular season standpoint, if all things were normal, we would be today one week removed from the national championship. The offseason is technically just starting. Yeah. So it just a lot feels can still like happen. It, <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like it is. And maybe in a sense, it, it's not that way because the kids all knew, yeah, season's over. So why not get ahead of this process? But again, we would be one week removed right now. There's a lot of time right. left. There's still a vote that needs to be held to maybe determine the future for some of these guys. So I think that there's still going to be a lot of off-season activity. I mean, even the other day, there was a uh, a center out of Michigan, Colin Castleton, who goes into the portal. Yeah, you like He's going to be interested in him. Maybe. Who knows? I, I He could be an okay ad for this team. But, again, the, the thing with him is he has a couple years of eligibility left. So uh, maybe you, you put him on the roster for two years. You're not looking for someone to, to supplement at the center position. You're looking for someone to make an impact right now. Yeah. Anyway, we could go on and on about this center discussion. I know it's a hot topic right now, but this is what happens when you miss out on guys like Kofi Coburn and Isaiah Stewart, and you know the list goes on. Well, and I guess on. it wouldn't Back matter to... for them because they're already going to the draft. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Who knows what would happen if they came to Syracuse? But that's why you you play those what if games. Anyway, we could talk about the center position really till the cows come home. But I'm sure we'll have plenty they're more time home. to talk. They about are coming that. home, Tim. <laughs> Yeah, got eventually they'll either. get there. <laughs> it's it's really just, I'm, I'm living in a, a simulation at this point, I think. And I think everyone else can relate to that in terms of time. But we do have plenty more to come this week on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. We have you every single weekday. We had a good interview about Alan Griffin that we're going to play for you tomorrow. Tristan Kizik from the Champagne Room joined us. And that was a fun chat we had with him. I actually learned a lot about Alan Griffin that I didn't know. I learned stuff that, yeah. You, you hit on the head. I learned stuff I didn't know. I, I thought I knew a good amount about Alan Griffin, but there there's some stuff I did not know about him that I'm very happy that Tristan filled us in on. Yeah, and, and as for this show and what's still to come on this Monday episode, we've got a lot of NFL draft stuff for you. The NFL draft is coming up. I know you're probably excited for it, Tyler, being a Bears fan. I'm not, fan. actually, because oh, the Bears no. don't have a first-round pick, but hey, even Ooh, if you are a Bears that. fan like me or your team doesn't have a first-round pick, guess what? The mock draft still applies to you because they are going to make a pick for all 32 teams. Yes. So they're going to make <laughs> that Bears second-round pick for you, okay? It's just going to be at a later podcast. Right. Well, all these hosts you're about to hear on the Lockdown Network have been doing tons of research, and they'll give you a full breakdown of the first six picks right after this break and a little mock draft here on the NFL Draft, which is coming up very, very soon. So be sure to stick around for that right after this break on Locked on Syracuse. Okay, time to get you set for the NFL Draft now. Tyler and I are going to step aside for a moment. We'll be back tomorrow to talk some more Syracuse-related stuff. In the meantime, very interesting discussion coming up. A little mock draft for you as the NFL Draft vastly approaching. April 23rd is the start date through April 25th, and... It's going to be a fun three days to check out some actual sports that's kind of going on currently right now, although recapping some of these old games has been fun. I'm excited for the NFL Draft, so take some time, dive into this mock draft with the guys over at the Draft Dudes podcast and the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. They will get you caught up and ready to go for April 23rd. They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground... 
I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm addressing number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university. We have 95 players here. So accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever. Become your mom's favorite player? Whoa. This is Locked On NFL. And this is the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. Welcome to the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first-round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover. Our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first-round selections, and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, and the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team-specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick, throughout round one on the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event. I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular. It was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better. And the way things are right now in the world and wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well. And I hope this is something fun for you to listen to all week long. Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams? Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the the electronics or the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double-checking, doing all that kind of stuff. We mentioned before, you know, maybe you could run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a a whole walkthrough basically of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn really a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling – agents of your favorite people to make sure that prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't (laughs) flaring up. But for the most part, things should be done a couple days before the draft. Let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network. We have a pair of NFL draft shows, draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. 
It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes podcast. And let me just tell you, as a couple of Draft Dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team. And uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close. And this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first-round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, the big mystery here is, from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is, when does the offensive tackle run start, and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles. There's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks. Maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there remains to be seen. And the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here. I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? And uh, who are those late first round guys that uh, teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings? Who do they get if they are uh, a left kind of picking the later half of those top tier pro- prospects? So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league. And you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic. Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20. They might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey, everybody, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host in the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see definitely when not. only one person controls all 32 teams. There's going to be a lot more aggressive moves, so I expect to see big trade-ups. I expect to see surprising picks, yep. and that's, that's the reality with these. When you're controlling just that one team, you go and get your guy. That's what we see in the league. I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well. I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because – it's just the possibilities are endless. We saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast. But, I mean, what other positions are, are big ones? Quarterback, wide receiver, probably, right? Well, I think, yeah. I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So, to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Who's wide receiver four? Who's wide receiver five? And just how many can we fit in this first round? Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started. Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what 
the Bengals should do here. They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect that should go first overall. If their phone is ringing, should they even be answering it, or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft? I mean, you answer it, and if someone offers you a godfather-like offer, you consider it, and you still might not even say yes. I mean, I think Burrow is the super prospect. He would go first in almost every draft, you know, nine out of ten years. That's a gift, and the Bengals need it. He's an Ohio guy. They need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of too good to be true. All right, with that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked on Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. With the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals easily and without second thought select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask. And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that. And the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency. And I think they're looking at this squarely of saying our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020. That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team? Well, the quarterback is the most important position. And I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. And I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top. And you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking other than that. And that's okay because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm. 
Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. In leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite, just six interceptions on the 2019 season. He's the son of a coach and a film room junkie. There's a story about LSU beating Alabama, getting back to Tus- from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge, and when Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cut-ups of the film, Burrow had already beaten him there. Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player. And his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments. Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day. All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated. And uh, I I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level. It's played from the neck up, and I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he is a good athlete. He has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game, processing, accuracy, he does not have a power arm, and that worries me a little bit considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and you know in the NFC North and late in the year. We'll see how he deals with that, but that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick. He's a tremendous prospect. More Locked On NFL Draft special coming up. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection All right, fun discussion there. Got me excited for the NFL Draft. And if you would like to check out more of the Locked On NFL Draft stuff, you can check out the Draft Dudes podcast, Locked On NFL, all week long. They got episode two, which is an extension of that. Features picks 7 through 13, a mock draft. So you can check that out by searching that on any of your podcast feeds. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Tristan Kizik is with us tomorrow. He covered Alan Griffin's career in his first two years at Illinois. He gives us some inside info on Griffin and the type of player that Syracuse got in this transfer portal. So that'll be interesting. Be sure to check that out tomorrow. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys then.